you did a great job. You picked the right show today. It's going to be a great time on your drive to work or in your morning jog, whatever you're doing. Thanks for joining Noteworthy the Podcast. Let's go. Wow, what an incredible week it has been. Rachel and I just returned from Vanquish Studios in Florida. Man, we had a great time. It was so exciting to make some new music, and I absolutely cannot wait for you guys to hear it. It's going to be so amazing, and I can't wait for you all to be a part of what's happening. More info on that coming soon. But of course, you're in Florida. You got to try out some of the restaurants. You got to enjoy the scenery a little bit. And uh, we had a great time. We got to do a little bit of all that. But we were busy. We were at work. We had two days in the studio. And we took Judah with us. Rachel and I are those crazy parents that take our baby everywhere with us. So he was there um, hitting the drums, trying to hit all the buttons in the, on the soundboard and being that baby. But man, we had such a great time with Joe Salamita and his wife, Caitlin and the Vanquish Studios family. What an amazing experience. We can't believe it's our third time that we've been. Today's episode features the owner, founder, and CEO of Vanquish Studios, my dear friend, Joseph Salamita. He has an incredible testimony and an amazing story. And over the last couple of years, since Rachel and I started recording and making music, he's become a great friend and his wife, Caitlin, has become such a good friend to us. We love them. I know you are going to love today's episode. You're going to learn a lot about recording. You're going to learn a lot about business and you're going to learn about what it means to own a professional recording studio. Joe has worked with artists like Israel William McDowell, Hezekiah Walker, and many more. And I count myself so blessed to be connected to him and the work that he's doing in South Florida. Enjoy episode eight. It's going to be great. You see what I did there? Okay, here we go. It's going to be good. Love you guys. I am here with one of my dearest friends on the planet, Joe Salamita, founder and CEO of Vanquish Studios on the sunny side of Florida. And Joe, this studio is blessing recording artists all over the planet. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. I'm excited. Um, So, man, Vanquish Studios, it's like become this thing that just everyone knows about like when people ask Rachel and I where we record and we tell them Vanquish they're like oh yeah yeah I know Vanquish (laughs) you guys are incredible um but let's start here how long has Vanquish been a reality and how did this dream start for you well uh first off thank you for having me uh it's a privilege and an honor love it 
so if you can repeat the question again, because I want to make sure I answer this the right way, the way you want me to. Yeah. So, how long has Vanquish Studios been a reality, and how long, or how did this dream start? Where did this begin? Gotcha. So Vanquish started, I would say, when some doors closed and I was turned down at some studios, mainly because my main drive and purpose and commitment to the church uh, was just being there serving and making sure that I was in church on Sundays and never missing what my what helped build my foundation. From that point, a lot of studios, when you graduate engineering school, um, you strive to graduate at the top of your class. You strive to be accountable, right. clean, focused. And if you are doing the right things, they set you up. It's all who you know. Um, not a lot of times what you know, unfortunately, but it's connections. And I, I had favor among the teachers. Wow. And they... Uh, open doors for me to go to some of the biggest studios in South Florida. And at the time, Amazing. 10, 11 years ago, South Florida was a very strong music scene for um, hip hop, rap, R&B. And at the time, I knew that wasn't obviously a genre that I wanted to entertain, but I wanted to um, I wanted to gain as much knowledge as I could and, and career status so I could, at the end of the day, invest into ministry. That was the ultimate goal because I knew ministry needed uh, people to serve under them in order to get to where they were trying to go. Um, and to make a very long story short, every studio shut me down because I wouldn't work Sundays. Uh, my commitment level was I will work Monday morning at 12 a.m. to uh, Sunday, the following week, Sunday morning at 12 a.m. As soon as it was that 12 that 24-hour mark for Sunday, sure. I needed to be driving back to Fort Lauderdale, getting in my bed, showering, going to church, and not missing a beat. Right. Um, and everyone just said, hey, man, thank you so much, but no, we need 100% of commitment out of you. Wow. So there's that one day. I mean, yeah. Sunday was the only day. Yeah. And they, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they, they were very strong on that because they didn't want you to ever uh, – they don't want you to ever – say no they wanted a hundred percent commitment and i understand that they didn't right. want any any boundaries and they just wanted all of you from that moment i came back to fort lauderdale i was living with my parents um and i went back to broward college for a jazz degree and i would say within a year and a half god started opening up doors for us to build a quote-unquote music room one thing led to another and we got an amazing person by the name of brian blank to design the room for us. My father is in construction. And from that moment, life just started breathing into this place. It was it wow. had nothing to do with our knowledge or finances, not even our Thanks connections. God. It was all God connections, yeah. really, because wow. it just opened up one thing after another. Mm -hmm. So looking back 10 years from this moment, 10, 11 years from this moment, you could see how God orchestrated every single life connection to for us to be sitting here right now in this room yeah where vanquish is solely focused on ministry and we do everything we can to help others with that being said um this place started to be built and at that time i had a mentor in the industry that said 
you guys built and designed a phenomenal acoustic building. Wow. It is a studio. You should invest into gear that will be industry standard and commercial to where if you had to sell the gear in a year, uh, it would the return on investment would be as if you were renting it. So for me, I was like, okay, great. Let's let's if I'm gonna fail, I want to fail huge. Sure. I just I'm gonna dive in, and from that moment again, just one door after another. When you buy commercial grade gear, it brings in commercial grade people. So experts and people in the industry that you read about in magazines were coming into the room, wow. basically investing into me and seeing that I was somebody that ultimately wanted to serve. Right. And they just, they couldn't believe it. And, um, and I'm thankful for that. It was God's favor. And I wasn't shy. I wasn't, I wasn't afraid to tell them my testimony. And they all wanted to know, why are you building a studio in a garage? Why are you doing this? I had no answer for them. Yeah. I just said, okay, I'm just taking it one day at a time. Um, but ultimately that is really, truly how Vanquish started. And, um, I hope I'm answering every, every part of the question, but no, yeah, that's amazing. where it started to birth. I mean, wow. really, honestly, it, it came from that. Um, and, and to this day, we are always striving to learn business better and, and, and be a, a, a more commercial business. But it's like a mom and pop shop. People come from all around the world because it's relaxing. Yeah. I know it's because of God's anointing sure. and his presence and his favor. But if someone comes in and they have no idea about that, it's it's wow this vibe this it's so positive here mm, well yeah. it's it's the lord's presence yeah so that's amazing uh to this day which by the way we're coming at you live from vanquish studios right now and rachel and i are working on our new song here and i'm like a kid in a candy shop when i'm here i just soak up every second because uh rachel and i have become so close to joe and his wife caitlin and I'll never forget the very first time we came. This is our third time here. The very first time we came, when I walked in the door, and I'm not, I'm not just saying this because we're here right now, I felt the presence of God when I walked in here. And I was extremely nervous about recording for the very first time. And so when I walked in here and I felt that presence of God, I knew there's something special about this place. And Rachel and I feel like, our ministry has not only been blessed because of our anointing, but because of your, your guys' anointing. And so when we uh, linked forces on that, that was so cool. I still, I still have to pinch myself sometimes that we get to be a part of what you guys are doing here. But um, So who was your very first... So, so you're in your garage. Um, you've got this... You're starting to get state-of-the-art stuff. Um so when did it all start happening? Like, who was your first customer who said, okay, let's let's do this. Let's give it a shot. Yeah. Who was that? So our first customer at Vanquish was actually, um, I won't say any names, but it was a young lady, a local talent. She was very well known. She wasn't signed, um, but she was known for kind of going to different studios and, and everyone wanted to work with her. She was, she was everything the industry wanted at that time. Um, and the engineer, uh, I was for the first couple years of the studio, I didn't do anything technical. I knew how I knew what everything did. I knew this room cause I built this room and I was here when the guys integrated it and had the guts of the console everywhere and cables everywhere. 
it was, I knew it, I knew how to fix it. So I was kind of the studio tech, the intern, the owner, the, uh, the, the janitor, everything all in one. And I, I had this, this horrible feeling every time I ran the studio and new clients would come in that you don't deserve this because mm. you weren't an intern anywhere. So wow. I went from being an intern, wanting to be an intern to owning a facility that competed with all these other studios. Okay. So gotcha. it was, it was kind of like it, it I'll get to it later on of who told me this. Mm -hmm. um, but, but it was hard for me. The first client, though, I remember the energy of like the anticipation of her getting in the room. The engineer at the time, his name's Franklin Rodriguez. He spent the first couple years here every single night. And I watched him work on his own private stuff. And I gave him keys to the place. And I said, listen, man, I want this to be your stepping stone. You were a teacher of mine. Um, I just want to grow under you. Wow. Teach me what to do and how to act in the studio. And for that, I'm forever grateful. Sure. Um, and I watched him come in every single night for about, I would say, roughly three years. Um, and it was amazing. Hard work is always rewarded. He has his own label now that's international. He's doing unbelievable stuff. He's still a teacher at SAE uh, in Miami. But it just blew my mind. But to watch him bring the artist in, get her behind the mic, talk to her, the energy, like the photos, it was just like this crazy warp of time that you just forget about all your problems outside of the studio. Mm. And then uh, that's it. Then they leave. And I was like, wow, this works. Cash in hand. This is a quote unquote business. Yeah. Like, how are we going to do this? Yeah. You know? Um, but it was, it was incredible to see that. Now I will say that it was, you felt that, that void though, because I, I started realizing very young while owning the studio I understand why it's hard to have a family and a healthy relationship mm. when in the studio world. Yeah. Because you are, you love music, you love the people you're working with, you forget about anything and everything sometimes because you're just wrapped in this thing that you're all working towards, this goal. So, yeah, that was my first project. It was horrible. Um, <laughs> wow. On my I've never end, heard not, anything horrible come out Not of on it. them, on yeah. my end. I was just like, <laughs> what do I do? Do I get coffee? Do I get tea? Anyway. Gotcha. So, where did the name Vanquish? Uh, where where did that? I mean, cool name by the way. Thank you. Like Vanquish Studios, love it, Thank killing you. it. Where did that uh, originate? Where did that come from? That actually originated. Um, I always liked the name. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge car guy. Okay. okay? Mm -hmm. So when I'm into cars, I like to look at the names and I want to know why the car companies designed those cars. Mm -hmm. um, and, and why, really cool. <laughs> why they named them the way that they named them. Right. And I wanted it to look good on paper when someone wrote it. I wanted it to be extremely strong. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be a statement. And But I didn't want it to be something like Palm Studios or Beach Studios or Salt Studios. Something that like was South Florida weird. Right. I wanted something that could stand the test of time. Now, at this time, I was looking at the visual aspect and I was looking at the meaning from a carnal standpoint, because at that moment I would Google stuff and, and the Aston Martin Vanquish. Wow. What a strong name. That's incredible. What does Vanquish mean? Mm -hmm. Vanquish means to overcome in battle. Mm. So it was like, wow, that's really cool. Like I will vanquish my enemy, you know? Right. At the time I had no idea that it was something that had a biblical understanding and meaning mm. until I met a rabbi 
that was oh, somebody okay. that understood Bible. And he said that it the the and I'm I'm probably gonna completely mess this no, up. Go for it, yeah. But his his whole thing was, Well, what do you do for a living? I said, Well, I own a studio. He's like, That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother's Jewish, so at every I, we go to all these Jewish, you know, events and and uh, traditions. And he just he grabbed me by the shoulders. And he said, "Well, what does that mean? What does vanquish mean?" I said, "It means to overcome in battle." He goes, "Nope, you're wrong." He said, "Let me tell you what it really means to in you know in Hebrew." And, and wow. where it was, he said, "You know that scripture text that says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard." Oh yeah. He goes, "That's what vanquish means." Do you understand that concept? And I said, "Yes." He goes, that's what vanquish means. Don't ever forget it. And that was wow. it. So it was really cool to kind of hear back when the studio was birthing. Yeah. I had no cons. I didn't know what that, you know? Yeah. But the Lord knew. The Lord knew what it needed to be named and, and why he wanted it to be named that. So That is an awesome story. I've yeah. never heard that before. Yeah. It all goes back to the rabbi. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I right. love that. Oh. <laughs> okay, so you've worked with artists like... Okay, so, so let me backtrack here. So you're, you've... I'm going to kind of make a jump here, okay? okay. But um, so you've started off, you've worked with your cu- with your first customers, and then things are starting to roll, things are starting to happen. And so you've worked with artists like Israel and um, William McDowell, big names in the Christian industry, and even outside of the Christian industry, you've worked with so many big names. As a producer, what was your first wow moment and i like to ask people this like what was uh i had i i I try to ask every person that i interview this because i'm fascinated by it because i'm a wow person Mm -hmm. i look back and i'm thinking wow i can't believe that just happened Mm. um so what was your first moment in this career of wow i i can't believe this is happening right now i mean i'm sure it has to be surreal when you've got israel sitting in your studio yeah i think I, there was two moments that I can think of off mm-hmm. the top of my head. Yeah. I was um, at a Cadillac dealership, and I got a call from a number that I didn't know. And I picked up, and I said, hello. And he said, hi, this is Aaron. Is this Joe Salamita? I said, yeah. I said, Aaron who? He goes, Aaron Lindsay. And I about dropped my phone. Because as someone that just looked up to all these great gospel records, the mastermind behind a lot of them, mm-hmm. if not if not all of them, the majority, he's touched anything and everything in this industry was Aaron Lindsay. Right. And I just was like, Oh my goodness. Mm. What is he doing? Calling me. And he was just the most down to earth, amazing person, him and his wife, his, his family is just incredible. And he asked me to do overdubs on a Jonathan Nelson record. Uh, the record was better days. And it was a young girl named Rochelle that needed to come in and do overdubs. And I was just, it was the first time that I was talking to someone in the industry that I wanted to work with or be around yeah. or learn from. And they were calling me to say, can we, can we use your studio? And I, cool for me at, at the wow. moment, I'm like, okay, great. Are you sending an engineer? He's like, no, you know how to run the spot? I said, yeah, it's my studio. He goes, cool. You can engineer it. And for me, that was huge because at that moment, big deal. Yeah. I was, I started thinking, okay, cool. I, I could do this, you know? Wow. Um, the second was when uh, we worked on the Jesus at the Center record, and I was asked to do some editing, and I was able to open the session, and we did Israel's lead overdubs here. And Danny Duncan was here, Aaron Lindsay was here, Israel was here, and some other people with the session. Javier 
uh, did percussion on that record. He was here doing some stuff. Uh, but I'll never forget them going to lunch and just saying, hey, we need you to do this. And uh, me having this entire session that was recorded at Lakewood, Israel being one of the most incredible worship leaders um, of our lifetime. And at that moment, what happened was I was just looking at the session going, this is what it looks like. I've been raised on records and he's been one of the most influential people in all of our churches. Right. Yeah. What does the record look like before it's touched by a mixing engineer? And I had it. I had all the raw files in front of me, wow. which was incredible. And I, I did some, some editing work and I was the only one in the room, which classified me as the engineer in the room. Right. Yeah. So it was incredible. Israel put me down as one of the engineers on the record. And wow. it, that was my first Grammy nomination, which was mind blowing because that wow, mo I'll never forget that. It was, it was one of those moments that was like, wow, this is Whoa. so awesome. So how many Grammy nominations have you had? Three. Yeah. So have you won one or just been nominated? Just nomination. Wow. So how does that work with, um, with, with engineers? I mean, yeah. how does that work with Grammys? How does that work? So I, I, and I could be wrong. Uh -huh. uh, I always ask because it's, uh, it's easy to forget. But I believe that it's, um, if it's album of the year, and you are an engineer on the record, then you are entitled to a physical Grammy. Wow. Um, if it's single of the year or new artist of the year, I don't think you are. I could be wrong, though. So did Israel not, not win album of no, the year? No, we lost that year to Lecrae. It was the first year Lecrae Lecrae! Came out. You're yep. killing me, man. Oh, yeah. man. That's so amazing, though. It was incredible. Oh, it was man. amazing. Grammys are a big deal. It was cool. Um, that's so cool, man. That had to be so surreal. Yeah, it was very um, humbling. In the last couple years, um, since we've started putting music out, I've been blown away by just some people I've been able to meet. And so I love to hear people's stories because I know everybody deep down is somewhat like me where they freak out a little bit and they have that person that they're just dying to meet. That's me. Yeah. Um, but so Vanquish is very special to Rachel and myself because... God used Vanquish to actually do a miracle for us. And I'm going to tell this super long story super quick. But, um, goodness, two years ago now, um, I called Joe and I told him we want to make this album. And he was so kind, worked with us, um, producing. I mean, they just put all the work into it. And it was just in this incredible first album. And, But long story short, my wife and I had had a miscarriage and so we were dealing with that loss and i'll try to say this without getting emotional i feel emotional here because i'm here <laughs> but um but the lord told me he said i want and i'm very careful when i say that by the way i don't just say the lord told me i don't throw that line out very much and the lord said i want you to go make an album and when you do that and he told me i, I want you to go here's the studio i want you to go to I never reached out to anybody else. Wow. I knew this is where I was supposed to go. I was shocked that I even got a response because I'm like, here I am, you know, I'm not in the recording world. I'm not in the industry. And so he said, I want you to go record an album. And because it had been a year after the miscarriage and we, we hadn't seen anything happen and we were wanting to start a family. And he said, when you go record this album, when you go, if you'll obey me, I'll I'll do it for you. Wow. I'll never forget it. I and I went that. to Rachel and I said, 
we've got to go record this album. And so with Reckless Abandoned, we, I mean, you probably remember, I was so persistent. I'm like, oh, yeah. here's when we want to do it, and here's what we want to do. I was like, wow. all in. And I think I've been all in ever since. Oh, but yeah. because I felt such an urgency from God, and I still feel it to this day here right now. And the Lord said, when you go, I'll do it. And we came. And and a couple weeks later, wow. Uh, Rachel ran and told me we're we're expecting, and so now uh, Judah is our one-year-old. He's 15 months old. He's the one you probably hear in the background <laughs> running around like a wild baby. Um, but we actually call him our our vanquish miracle. Wow. We use that term because My when goodness. when Thank God. You. When we obeyed God and we did it, even though it didn't make sense, we came and we did it. And when we obeyed God, he instantly answered our prayer Mm. after that. And so when I hear him playing out there, it makes me emotional sitting here because that's what God did for me. But now you and Caitlin are expecting a baby and you're about to be a dad. And it's 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 the most incredible thing in the world. How you feel? You ready? Yeah, you ready I'm to excited. go? I I don't. Your wife said it best. She said it's. I'm glad you sound like you're ready, but it's gonna be fun to know like how re- like how much you're not ready. You know, yeah. like I'm ready yeah. to have a baby. Like sure. I'm excited. Absolutely. Uh, I'm ready for the season change. Uh-huh. I'm I'm ready for a new schedule and routine just mash up yeah uh, we'll do it yeah. oh yeah and and i'll probably next year if we get the opportunity to work with you again next mm-hmm. year let's sure hope so same time same weekend that we've done i know annually. it's always the same weekend i don't know what happened and uh i'll thing. probably be looking at you going like wow i don't understand why i said that publicly <laughs> but i'm excited we're excited we're having a little girl and it's gonna be amazing oh man so. i cannot wait to drop the greatest dad jokes ever next year like just and you know i don't know if we maybe we'll come sooner i don't know yeah but uh the dad jokes are going to be hardcore i'm ready i'm ready bro let's do it teach me how to let's do it how to land the joke i can't wait that's coming soon cannot wait to meet this little girl Oh, oh man so What's your most powerful and this is a hard question i've been asked this question before and i loved it mm-hmm What's the most powerful worship experience Oof. you've ever been a part of? Wow. I love this question because it's it makes you think. I mean, what's the most powerful worship service you've ever experienced? Like, I, you just can't get it out of your mind. Mm. It's a toughie. Yeah. Hmm. Mine was an unexpected place. Okay. Mine was CMI Awakening Campus Ministry at um georgia state university and it was just an acoustic guitar leading worship and those 180 students literally sounded like 10,000 people like screaming to the heavens no job it was nuts unbelievable so for me it was an unexpected place right i know a lot of people say nayc Mm -hmm. um but what what do you think it is for you well being a, a drummer and that's that's what i've always I've, I've had the opportunity to play for a lot of different worship leaders and a lot of different um, arenas, mm-hmm. not physically, but just the, the whole atmosphere. Um, I know when I'm plugged in and I get to a place of worship on the drums where mm-hmm. I hit that level and then it's just, I'm a channel being used 
to uh, I'm worship leading behind the drums. So if anybody's watching me, my prayer is always that they're not seeing me, but they're saying, okay, he's worshiping God and he's stuck behind those drums. That's his form and way of ministering. Mm-hmm. So what am, what's my form? Whether yeah. they're an usher, whether yeah, they're uh, an armor bearer or a praise singer, right. what is their, you know, I, I just know when I'm plugged in that way. I would, I would probably say the, the most just life-changing was at a college and career camp. I was there playing acoustic guitar. Wow. And, um, Hey, that sounds was, similar to mine. Yeah. And I, but I mean, it was, I, I wasn't really playing it. I, I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I was just yeah. kind of like, if anything, if I didn't know the chords, I just held it and just strummed. <laughs> yeah. It looked great. Um, but I'll never forget. It was, uh, Victor Jackson, Joey Campitella, mm. Josh Herring. Oh man. And power. All three of them in the same room. Joey Campitella was preaching so the night services, uh, brother Victor Jackson during the days. I, I, I've never been in an atmosphere like that where, I would have to call home my best friend Sean, my accountability, my 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 foundation, mm-hmm. why I'm still physically here. Yeah, he is. He I would call Love him and just say, "This can't be happening right now. It's too good. This is like heaven." Wow. And he's like, "Well, just take it all in, but know that it's a youth camp. You're mm-hmm. gonna come home and it's gonna be back to reality." Right. He's like, he wouldn't let me. He wouldn't let me fly so high to where I was like so spiritually yeah. minded that I was no earthly good kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. But I'll Twice. never forget that specific camp. I felt an urgency to go there because I knew I needed deliverance. Um, I had just gotten wow. out of a six month prayer and fasting. I was I was praying and fasting for uh, my heart. Like I wanted to be ready to get married. Okay. So I was fasting Friday, and I, this isn't something I'm just saying. I, I tell this to young people that I mentor because it really is a life changer for me. I I was fasting Friday night at sundown, all day Saturday till Sunday after church, and I would do prayer walks. And I was praying for my heart and my spouse, whoever she was, um, for six months. And I religiously did it because I knew that on Friday nights, that after youth, I would go home and I'd be lonely. Right. I didn't want to have food. I didn't want to have entertainment. And I, I fasted secular music. Wow. My entire life being in the music industry, I never received the revelation what and how dangerous secular music is. Wow, that's good. To my spirit. And this is me sure. going on record saying I'm speaking about Joseph Salamita right now. Yeah, I'm not your pastor. I'm not your youth pastor. I'm not your mentor. But for me personally, I knew I needed a change in my life. It's good. So for six months, I was fasting uh, the weekends, but all around secular music, no media, nothing. I wanted mm. it to be as dry and as harsh as possible. Um, little did I know during that season was my, my, at the time, I didn't even know her, but Caitlin, my wife, she yeah. was going through one of the biggest, I mean, it was just, it, I mean, it, probably the biggest trial of her life. Um, that was the moment when God picked her up out of the States and moved her to Haiti for six months. But if, wow. if I, w- I know if I wasn't praying and fasting that I would not have prepared my heart and she wouldn't have had someone pleading on her behalf and covering her. And I didn't even know her yet, mm-hmm. but I'd be walking and praying and seeking God. That camp was I, after that six month mark. I talked to my pastor, David Elms, and I said, what do I do now? It's six months is over. And he said to me, you can't just expect God to jump now. 
you, you package it up beautifully. You've done all that you physically on this earth can do. And right. you give that gift back to God and you just wait. And it had been about a month or two and it was the driest, most darkest. What in the world? Why did I do wow. this? Nothing came out of it. What is going on? My goodness. And I just said, you know what? I need to get out of town. I'm going to go to this camp. I went to the camp. Church was just life-changing. Mm. But there was a night specifically where Joey Campitella preached on what physically happened to Jesus's heart on the cross. Wow. And the medical examiner, uh, what they would have discovered if technology and, and modern medical, uh, they would have known what, if they would have opened him up and, and saw what would have happened, he died of a broken heart. It literally imploded on itself. And it was, he went through all of the medical examiner's uh, layout and it, and I, he was talking about me. I literally felt at that time, I, I had to burn out so much flesh in my heart and my life in those six months because for 26, 27 years, I was listening to music I shouldn't have. Not that like it was horrible music, mm. yeah. but it was always causing me to go back and rely on myself and that, mm. that spirit of nostalgia. Like it's dangerous because it brings back old memories and old feelings and old right. smells. Yeah. A song can just trigger that instantly. Sure. So I was just, what, what do I do now? And I'll never forget. It was one of the, it was altar call and no music. No, everyone was just on their face. And I just remember the Lord telling me, get up and dance like David. Wow. And I danced for probably an hour. I was so sore the next morning. I couldn't walk. I couldn't <laughs> get out of bed, but I'll never forget Josh Herring company, uh, coming up to me and praying for me. And at that moment, he later came up to me and said, when I was praying for you, I spiritually, there was like a snake still wrapped around your neck. He said, and as you were dancing, it had unraveled itself. And the more you danced, the more it unraveled itself. And you just had such a freedom in worship. That snake flew out in the wilderness. Wow. And it was this thing that even through prayer and fasting, that it was still on me. I was still holding something in the flesh. And it was such an unbelievable experience to feel that that sense of freedom. And wow. at that next That's moment, the, all three of those guys came and prayed for me. Wow. And God gave me, it was a new depth of anointing and consecration that I've, and I knew at that moment, something was being birthed and mm. shifting for the rest of my life. Um, and ministries I know were birthed in that moment that come to pass in that type of spiritual warfare mm -hmm. um, that I always rely and go back on that feeling. Man, that is amazing. Yeah, that was the most, that was, uh, it's, it's just, it was amazing. Joey Campitella is dear, I'm dear friends with him. And um, that guy, yeah, that guy, yeah. I just don't have enough words about him. Yeah, he's, he's uh, just unbelievable. He, and it's funny that you said there was no music because that's like his thing. Oh yeah, he does not. He does not like music in mm -hmm. altar calls. No, and there's something about it that pushes us to the limit. It's like yeah. if there's going to be noise, yeah. it's got to be us. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. It's a unique anointing that he has. But wow, yeah. he's ministered at my church every year for like six years straight. Yeah, and um, I love that guy. What an incredible testimony, man. Um, one of one of the biggest worship experiences that we have in as a common denominator in the United Pentecostal Church is North American Youth Congress. And you've got 40,000 young people 
shouting unto God. I mean, it's insane. The worship is insane. And um, God really dealt with me at that last youth Congress and we have one coming up here, but you got to be a part of the music. You were the drummer for North American youth Congress in 2017. What was that like? That had to be a crazy experience. Uh, it was, it was the most humbling experience I've ever been a part of. Oh, wow. Uh, I'll never forget walking into, we had two rehearsals in Murfreesboro and Aaron Curtis is one of my best friends. Yeah. He's amazing. Um, He's just a musical genius. Mm -hmm. And the way that I had always played drums and the way that I had always ministered in a musical setting at church is not the way that he was used to a drummer uh, being. So it it got to the point where I, as a friend, had to look at him and say, Aaron, if you need to replace me, do it, please. I'm begging you. I want whatever is best. I knew that God called me to do it. And I knew that I, I had what it took to do that. But my, my biggest hurt for, for these youth congresses is that I've always watched musicians. There is a lull and, and a, a vacuum suction that happens after something like that. This is something that Mark Condon taught me. He said, don't ever forget where you came from. And I know that's a very cliche thing to say. Mm-hmm. But he used to fly me out to all these amazing conferences to run sound. And to I never played drums. I played percussion and sound. But he was like the best of everybody. It was like all these superstars. It was like an all-star team. Yeah. That's how NAYC is. Yeah. You have all the these all-stars. like just yeah. all-stars. Um, it was the most spiritual thing I've ever been a part of in regards to music. Aaron was such a covering. It was like his spirit and his respect and level of anointing under authority. Mm-hmm. It was We had a foot washing service uh, the, on Wednesday morning. Wednesday night was the start of the conference. And I'll never forget rehearsal. Like I did, I didn't know the songs. If I knew the songs, I I would forget them. I'd forget leads. And like one day, I slept in through her. I like I was so on point, and I was I was eating right. I was working out a certain amount of days to get my cardio up. I mean, I was training for this event because wow. I wanted to give God my absolute best. Yeah. I didn't want to take it for granted. I knew that. I would be one of the loudest things in the arena. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there could be potentially thousands of young music ministers that would be saying, okay, great. I need to be able to look at somebody and see that they're still living for God six months after NAYC sure. or six years yeah. or, or 10 it's years. Yeah. And, and Mark Conan always taught me, he said, don't ever forget, no matter how big the stage is, you're going to go back to your church. If it's 10 people, if it's 10,000 people in your church, it's just as important playing on that platform as it is on any platform, wow. regardless of the musicianship. Um, but that experience, it was it was incredible. I don't remember a thing. I I, I, I was I, so proud. I was. Like, I was up there in the nosebleeds, like, that's my friend. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. you killed it. Thank and you. the drums were the loudest thing I in bet. that arena. Oh, yeah. No, they I sounded... Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard drums sound that good. Yeah. Like, not only your skill, yeah. but the the sound, like the mix of your drums yeah. reverberating through that place. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, the, the worship experience was just second to none. I'm excited to see what's going to happen oh, yeah. this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't wait. It's be incredible. Um, but I don't know. Like, for my youth group, I'm a youth pastor, so... Um, it was so important for them to see that many young people 
that we're apostolic. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes in our own local assembly, we feel like we're the only ones... We're the only ones that do this. Yeah. And that's not healthy. Right. Like, I mean, if we were the only ones, it'd still be right. It's still the word of God, but it's still helpful for us to know there's there's millions of us. There's yeah. there's millions of people out there being filled with the Holy Ghost, you know? Right. So, man, what an incredible, incredible experience. But um, I'm going to tie this question in. I ask every every guest this question, and nobody hates me for it yet. Okay. What's your most embarrassing moment mm. on stage oh, like man. like ouch that one hurt <laughs> you know that moment like yeah wow i can't believe that just happened i have many of them they're, they're pretty common for me oh, let me think here i've come to expect the sound system to blow up if i'm leading worship at a large event right i've come to expect the sound system to shut down it's happened to me four times wow. and it's always in front of like two thousand people like it just it, shuts. It's off. never like a small event. It's right. always like some huge event, and the system blows out completely. Yeah. And you're just praying that the the engineers at front of house know to shut the amps off, so when the power gets turned back on, there isn't this massive shotgun. Yeah, we're just like praying, and I'm just slam. trying to lead them through. So I've been there so many times that yes. wow. it blesses me to know other people's. <laughs> you know, I don't. I'm trying to think of one. Um, you're so blessed. That no, you don't. probably when I was younger. The the probably. Being a drummer at a church, just so eager to play drums. Like, mm -hmm. I would just, altar calls, like, I would, I mean, you know, being 10, 11 years old, like, you know, I would pray, but I would, I'd pray on, like, the girl side, because that's where the drums were. They always thought it was weird. I was watching the drummer the whole time. Right. Just, like, waiting for him to say, like, oh, I've got a bad stomach, or mm -hmm. I've got to get out of here, you know, like, I've got to work tonight, and be like, oh, please we put me on the drums. <laughs> but probably the worst was my first Sunday morning, I remember, and for some reason, we didn't have rehearsal. They just expected me to know the song. And I couldn't get it. And I had to get off the drums. And the full-time drummer had to get up and finish the song. Wow. And that was, I mean, it Tough. was horrible. Tough. But Yeah. Those yeah. moments. Those, those moments, moments make you, though. Yeah, God's like, this is what's going to make you yeah. what you need to I be. I think I was 13 <laughs> when that happened. Wow. It was horrible. Ouch. Man, yeah, it was I've had a lot. I've had a lot of those experiences. Really? Yeah, I've had my guitar go out. It's just my voice. But that's not your fault, though. No, it like wasn't it, an ability fault. It's not usually my fault, but I'm always susceptible to what's not my fault. Like, it always <laughs> it, it always kind of happens. Like, if it's going to happen, it'll probably happen, you know? Right, right, right. So, I, and, and I think that's been good for me. Like, it's, it, I've learned, I've learned don't stop. Oh, yeah. Don't stop. Right. Just keep going, you know. Yeah. So, would you rather be chased by a horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? <laughs> a hundred duck-sized horses. Yes, yeah, it's a tough question. You know, I, I, I genuinely love both of them. We have, we're in Florida, so we have so many ducks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I will stop a hundred cars for a duck. They don't scare me. But if it was horse-sized... That would scare the life out of me. Like a duck the size of a horse? That'd yeah. be pretty nuts. A radio uh, DJ asked me that question. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I would say the On bigger the, the bigger of them <laughs> would would kill me. Yeah. I also got asked um, Benji Shepherd, I've interviewed him on the show. He asked me live on the air, caught me off guard. Right before Judah was about to be born, he said, How long do you think it takes the average male to change a diaper? Oh my goodness. And I said like 15 minutes. Like my answer was insane. The correct answer was like 25 seconds or something oh like my that. Goodness. So 
uh, once again on the air, you know, making you a go. fool of myself. But so, so where, where from here? Like, I mean, so here we are at Vanquish and it feels like God is doing so much. I mean, yeah. it's like he's aligned all this stuff. Rachel and I are so just amazed by y'all and love to be a part of what's happening. I mean, every year I think I tell you, well, let's do this next year. We we just wrapped up vocals on the brand new song and I just can hardly wait to get back already and I haven't yeah. even left yet. So what what do you want to see happen from here? Where do you, where do you want to go? Uh that's a good question, Nate. Well, uh, thank you, Joe. <laughs> I you know, I've always wanted Vanquish to be a global company to where mm-hmm. we reached um there there's been some visions and some burdens that God has placed on Caitlin and I. We met in Haiti. Wow. And it changed our life. I mean, we were ready to sell everything and go there. I mean, we just, we wanted what God wanted. But God wanted us here. Mm-hmm. Running Vanquish, building the business, building the ministry behind the business. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, wa- I always want to make sure, Robert Kurz is one of my mentors. He's a, he's a family therapist and psychologist. And he just said, always make sure. He said, you're somebody that usually starts with a cart before the horse. He said, you have you have blessings, you have favor, mm-hmm. and you just always seem to have everything in place. He said, so you have to be careful that you never get into the routine of going 100 miles in one direction. And it's not causing sin. It's not causing you to fall out of love with the Lord or your relationships. But it's not God's will, exact will for your life. And then another mentor of mine, Mark Condon, he always says to me, Joe, don't ever settle for God's B plan, God's C plan. If God has an A plan for you, wow, you got to, you got to, you got to go for God's A plan. Do not settle. And that's always been at the forefront. I mean, these guys have scared the life out of me to just not fail. Um, but at the same time, I surround myself with, with people and safety nets. My pastor, yeah. Sean, um, uh, my, you know, Donnie Hawthorne is another one from, from Brother Williams Church in Apopka. They, these are guys that are just safety nets for me. As of right now, if you ask me what my next year is looking like, um, as a business, uh, we are opening up a education side of Vanquish. I'm it's, excited about this. It's going to be Vanquish University, and it's there's going to be a very corporate launch in regards to what we're training people for. We're going to buy into uh, Avid, the company that 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 basically manufactures and, and designs Pro Tools, one of the leading industry standard DAWs. And we are going to be one of their certification facilities. And what does that mean? That means so cool. that anywhere in the world, someone can come here for three days or five days if you have a, have a day schedule. And we're going to have a trained, uh, avid, certified teacher teaching you in-depth Pro Tools 101. And that's going to allow you to take the test here in the building to see if you become certified. And at that moment, if someone from a technical standpoint is working for me, I want to know that they know what they're doing. Sure. So if I hand them the keys to the room and say, hey, start a session for me, open up 48 channels, route everything for me, I want... This here, I want that there. I don't need them to mix a record for Joe, me. Joe, I'm hearing you. I accept the position. <laughs> <laughs> You're hired. I accept. That's so sweet. Uh, but 
I mm. want I want this to be uh, a training facility, mm. and this is going once we build a platform and a strong foundation from a corporate standpoint. It's going to be something that opens up to even a mentorship program. It's awesome. From the physical stuff to hey, I want to learn how to. School is great. School is amazing, but technical schools seem like they're taking a push farther than than regular four year colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it, it it's something that's specific and and target marketed, and we're going to provide that. We're going to be the facility that does that. That's from the business standpoint. Um, from the spiritual standpoint, Vanquish Records and Vanquish Pro, um, I just want to see people's ministries and dreams come to pass. I want people to take risks um, if they know that the Lord has put that in front of them. Like you all, I mean, your testimony is just, it, it doesn't get more picture perfect than that. Praise it God. is a true, unbelievable testimony of what happens when God gives you a calling and he gives you a path and a roadway to do it. So I want to see people succeed. And, and another thing that, that Mark Condon always told me, he said, Joe, invest into people that are investing into themselves. You will never go wrong with that because they want to see things come to pass. Um, so that's that. We're just going to keep pushing through. And and that's that's going to be, we have a baby on the way, so I'm sure that's going to be a cool yeah, so crazy uh, exciting it's, it's gonna oh, change man. things but for the better i'm excited for it oh yeah and there'll be a lot of people in your life that will be like oh after you have a baby this you know and i mean it does change your life yeah in a wonderful way though mm-hmm. i mean i think it's i think it's what and believe me i'm not giving you parental advice right here i'll give it to me no you know, no, no, you've no. Been waiting for this I, moment i, refu- I refuse to do it i won't do it i won't be that person <laughs> but what i'm trying to say is is that what should I do? It's, what, here, tell me here's what, I here's do. what you need to do. I'm a pro. <laughs> no, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> no, so what I'm saying is, is that it does change your life. Yeah. But it's gonna be what you make it. Like some people, they decide my life's over. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna do anything. That's horrible. I'm not gonna accomplish anything anymore. Uh-uh. And Rachel and I are just we just. We, we just have no desire to be that person. Yeah. I mean, our baby's been tearing up your studio all week, <laughs> and, but we're still here. Uh, he's an and, angel. And we're still, and you guys are so sweet to him. Like, oh, he's yeah. been, like, trying to attack your soundboard all week. He's my bud. He's been playing your drums. But um, what I'm saying is, is that it's going to be what you make it. If you decide, mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. People do the same thing with marriage. Like, well, once you get married, yeah. it's like anytime there's something big in your life, Certain people try to act like that's it, like it's done. You'll never accomplish what you wanted to right. do. I believe the exact opposite. Right. I believe Rachel made me better at what I needed to do. Being a father made me more equipped yeah. to do what I was called to do. Yeah. That That's the only advice I'll ever okay. give you about being I a dad. I accept it. So um, I, I, I want to leave with this question, and I, I, I love to leave the audience with this. Um, you're such a great example to society and to Pentecost of what it means to be in a business where it could be so easy to not put God first. It could Mm -hmm. be so easy to be led astray, but yet you keep Jesus at the center of this studio. I feel his presence here right now. I feel it every time we pray before every session. Mm -hmm. I have genuinely felt the Holy Ghost. I've, I've spoken in tongues in this studio like God is here. What advice would you leave to this generation on 
how to keep God first mm. in in their not just in church, not just in their life, but even in their business. Yeah. I mean, what better person to give us that advice? How do you keep God at the center of your business? Yeah. Well, um my father has been an example to mm. me. He's yeah. he's been he's been probably the biggest business example when it comes to giving. He's such a giving person. I've never met anyone more wow. giving. So I pray that I have that in me to where I will I would want to see someone succeed more than I do. If I if I'm trying to help someone get to where they're going, it's going to pull me with them. I'm going to learn something from that. I'm going to grow from that. You're never going to lose by giving to the kingdom of God. Right. Some people are able to financially just give and give and give. Some people are able to give of their service, their time. Mm -hmm. Vanquish with keeping its lights on and, and my wife and I making an income. We have done everything in our power to just give back to the kingdom of God by doing Amen. massive discounted rates. or You can always get creative with that stuff to do this investment or, or do this award uh, you know, this, this gift giveaway to bring awareness. This is a business and I, and God gave us this business and I have a duty and I have a responsibility, um, to run this business a godly way. Uh, my pastor always drilled into me, has always drilled into me. It has, it doesn't matter where you are in one year. It matters where you are in 10 years. Yeah. And this is a, I know this to be true because the same studios that wouldn't let me work in their building are closed today. Yeah. And Vanquish is still growing mm. and still becoming more globally advanced. And we don't even know what, where God wants to take us, but I know that it's got God's breath of anointing and favor behind it. Yeah. So it's my duty to make sure that one from a business secular standpoint from just a businessman, making sure my clients are number one, making sure they know that my goal is to serve you. And at the end of the day, it's about your relationship with the Lord as a business owner. I treat my clients, their clients, and they're the ones physically giving me the cash or the check or mm -hmm. the money order or the credit card. Yeah. But at the end of the day, my work is unto God. Right. If I put my work and say, Lord, I'm putting this into your kingdom, I'm, I was commanded to work i don't deserve to eat if i don't work i'm going to put my hand to the plow and i'm going to serve you today and put in a hundred no matter how rude the clients are no matter how carnal they are no matter how spiritual who who cares who walks in the building everyone is is equal at the foot of the cross wow. so from a business standpoint everyone is treated the same way if I'm giving away free studio time to somebody, I want them to know that Joe is not working for me right now. He's working unto God. Yeah. This is his, this is a commandment and a promise that he's been given. Um, and just doing the work, staying diligent, staying at the cutting edge of education and technology, never talking trash about someone because uh, assuming in business they're trying to take you down, believing in others. Uh, if, if there's a business starting that's equal or similar to yours, yeah, it's healthy competition. That's mm -hmm. one thing Starbucks has always said. Put a coffee shop right next to us. Yeah. We're okay with the competition. Yeah. I'm okay with that. We've been, we've been pushed and prodded and pulled, and, and we, we want to make sure that 
our work is always unto the Lord, even when clients are calling and, and trying to shut us down right. or, or trying to do this. When there's evil intent, God will take care of you. Sure. If you're doing things unto the Lord. Um, so that's, that's, that's basically my, my biggest thing is making sure that, that people feel like, you know, you're not on your phone every five minutes. You're, you're, you're present in the room. Yeah. You're giving them your wholehearted help yeah. regardless of what they're paying you. Yeah. And God takes care of you. He does. Well, I am a testimony of both business and friendship that you are all of those things. Yes, sir. There's a Thank business you. side to it where I'm in the booth and you're you're in the business mode and we're talking and you're as unto God. And then <laughs> it's the same it's the same on the friendship side. It's yeah. it's the way it is and and I commend you for that. I I've got to tell my favorite Joe Salamita story and then I'm I'm going to let you go. We're going to go get dinner, okay? Yes, um so I'm in the studio I'm recording. It's our very first. This is our third time here. I can hardly <laughs> believe that. But this is the first time, okay? And I'm singing. I'm hitting this big note, okay? And it's like one of those notes that you dread. And I see Joe, and he looks so serious through the window. And I'm in the booth, and, and I'm just giving it everything I have. And he looks at me. He presses the little button, and he's talking into my headphones, and he says... Are you hurting yourself? <laughs> I'll never, I'll never forget that moment of of that that humbleness that God brought over me. And I think what he was trying to say, I think what you were trying to say is, "Are you good? You need to take a break." Yeah. But I just loved that that verbiage. It just hey. and every, now that every time I come, I just come so humbled. I come so ready. No, but all jokes aside, Joe's like the nicest producer you'll ever work with. Incredible, and. Joe, you're doing a great job. Thank you. We love you. We love Caitlin. We love your little girl that's on the way. And me and Rachel and Judah, we owe, and I'm not just saying this, we owe so much to you guys. So much of what God is doing in our ministry. Uh, when, when we approached recording, uh, we told you that first time we came that this is not going to be just our ministry this is going to be an asset to what god is already doing in our life and so we came approaching it of that god's going to use this in a unique way and so much of what he's done in our ministry has been because of what what you've done and what you've committed to god and i love you i feel like i should hug you i'll hug you in a minute here but i love you i appreciate you thanks for being on the show man yeah, man thanks for having me you're awesome dude. vanquish studios south florida if you're looking for a studio to record i'm telling you this is the place there's no place like it it's it's apostolic the presence of god is here and one of my best friends is here for the joe salamita i love you bro Thanks, man. Don't, don't hurt yourself. I, I'm don't, not. I'm not going to hurt yourself. myself. All right, get out. Let's go to dinner. Right. Let's do it. That was it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, today's podcast. I had such a great time. That was one of my favorite interviews ever. Joe is the real deal. And if it didn't bleed through on the podcast and you couldn't hear with your ears, I want you to know that Joe is the real deal. He is apostolic all the way through and through. When you walk into that studio, 
you can feel the presence of God before you record. One of my favorite things about Joe that I loved early on was that before every session, he'll say, let's pray. And we take just a couple minutes and we pray and we pray that God will anoint us and that he will help us. And it makes all the difference. And if you listen to albums that he has produced, that's why. Because it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. It doesn't just break it. It destroys it. It obliterates anything that would try to come against you and your ministry. It's going to be the anointing. Guys, if you're listening and you've been contemplating recording and maybe wanting to enter that world, maybe you're like me and thought, how in the world do I do that, right? <laughs> We've all been there. Everybody starts somewhere, guys. It doesn't always start on the charts. you got to start somewhere. And so if you're looking where to start, Vanquish Studios, South Florida. Google it. Look them up. They're easy to contact. Shoot them an email, and they'll correspond with you. And if you have music in your heart that the world needs to hear, this is an apostolic way to do it. And Rachel and I are forever indebted and so grateful to be connected to their ministry. Uh, January's almost over. February's right around the corner. Rachel and I have a lot of events coming up that we're ministering at. Uh, we'll try to get those uh, updated on our social media platforms so you can keep up with us. The new single, y'all, let me tell you something, it's gonna be exciting, I can't wait for you to hear it, not gonna tell you right now, we'll drop the name of the new single later and make it a little more special, that should be coming to you in just a short amount of time, some amazing people involved with that, and I can't wait to see what God's gonna do with that, so stay tuned, I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. I can't believe you hit play today. It means a lot. There's, uh, I did discover that uh, 24 states are listening to this podcast um, all over all over the country, 24 states. So um, that's amazing. That's incredible that you guys listen. So thanks, guys. Um, if you know anybody that'd be blessed by this podcast, whether they're involved in music ministry or any type of ministry, I think this podcast could be a blessing. I've been blessed to meet a lot of people that are incredible and a hundred times better than me. And that's why this podcast started. Not because I'm great, because that's sure not the case. It's because I'm connected to a lot of great people. And that's why this podcast was born. And that's why it's noteworthy. That's why it's significant. That's why it's interesting. And that's why you should tell somebody about it. And they'll be blessed. We even get some Holy Ghost doctrine in this podcast. So let it bless somebody and uh, spread the word today. Hit subscribe. Leave a comment below about how the show's blessing you. It would be a blessing to me and help spread the show out over all those iTunes and Spotify, Google Play platforms. Let's be a light. Let's be apostolic. Let's be the church. And don't miss church for the Super Bowl. Don't do it. God can bless you, but don't miss church for the Super Bowl. Okay, that's it. Love you guys. Bye.